Welcome to Kingdom Perspective Broadcast, the teaching ministry of Dr. David Ogaga. For more information, please call 234-803-481-0869 or for free audio downloads, kindly visit www.davidogaga.org. Is that okay? Right. That means the Holy Spirit is responsible for the betting. 
of the seed that was in Mary. So when you say of, you are talking about the source. So I try to say, we cannot believe in a way that to be born of water and spirit means to be born of H2O. H2O that you drink cannot give birth to a spirit being. Is anybody following this? Come on, are you understanding what I'm saying? I want you to get it right so that you don't miss it. Because it's very crucial. Alright, so the water speaks of the word of God and empowered by the Holy Spirit. So you find that Jesus said, the words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. In other words, they have energy to produce. They have energy to get transformation. So the word of God transforms you. The baptism of the word of God seems you are submitting to the power of God's word. Hallelujah. Now I'm going to show you something in the book of you know, we talked about, for instance, the baptism of John, in the, in, I mean, of Jesus in, in River Jordan. You all know that. Uh, because that's one of the arguments that people put on, that Jesus was baptized River Jordan. Praise the Lord. Now, the point is this. Why was he baptized in River Jordan, or whatever river he was baptized in by John? It's very simple. He, was, he already said, the Lamb of God, that taketh away the sin of the world. Are you there with me? Now, every lamb before it is offered must be washed. Now, John was man like a high priest. So he had to first wash Jesus as a sacrificial lamb. Did you get that? Every high priest had to first wash the lamb before it is offered. So Jesus has to be washed before it is presented as a sacrifice unto the Lord. That is why you find again that in Matthew chapter 27, we are made to understand that the high priest came to the court where Jesus was, and they started to question him. What do you think they were doing? They were examining him if they are going to find fault in him. That was still the high priest functioning. Are you there with me? And then under the find that he was innocent. That means he was a lamb without spot or wrinkles. That's what happened. Praise the Lord. Then the second reason Jesus was baptized in the river was because God hid the mystery of the Christ within him. They never knew who the Messiah was. So now, he was to be baptized and God told him or told John that if you see the dove descending upon an individual, that is the one that is Messiah. So the ministry of John was to reveal Jesus Christ through Israel. And that was all. So these are the two major reasons why Jesus has been baptized with water. Is anybody following what I'm saying here? I want you to get it. So now when John saw I tell the dove upon the Messiah, I mean upon this individual who was his cousin for just about six months, he concluded and told the people, this is the Messiah. That the man that sent me to baptize told me, the person that you will see the dove descended upon and rested. You need to read it. The Bible did not make us see that the dove came in and go. No. He rested on him. That was the empowerment that was coming upon his life. He said, once you see that thing, that is the one I'm asking you to locate. So the essence of John baptizing Jesus was to locate him for Israel to know who their Messiah was. These are the two major reasons why he went there. Praise the living God. Alright. So now, I want to read something in the book of 2 Samuel chapter 7. Let's look at verse 12. 2 Samuel chapter 7. Talking about the kingdom. Talking about how the kingdom ought to have come in 
But a lot of people don't understand that the kingdom is right here. And that is because we do not have a true perception and conviction of what the kingdom is. Hallelujah. In 2 Samuel 7 verse number 12, the Bible says, God was making a promise to David. And when that day be fulfilled, and thou shalt sleep with thy fathers. you see that? I was trying to explain that a few days ago. Sleep. When a man who is in God drops the flesh, it's not death. It's sleep. Do you understand that? So, and that is different from being dead in Christ. I think I need to continuously say this so that you can understand. To be dead in Christ means you are living in righteousness and Christ's righteousness controls your life. So when you begin to read the dead in Christ arise forth, he's not talking of those in the cemetery. He's talking of those who are being controlled by the life of God. You can either be dead in Christ or dead in sin. When you are dead in sin, sin is controlling you. When you are dead in Christ, Christ is controlling you. Very simple. Okay, let's please progress. And then he said, I will set up thy seed after thee, which shall proceed after the birds, and I will establish his kingdom. Please, I want you to catch this. This is a promise to David. Amen? So when you finally fulfill your days and you drop the flesh, I'm going to set up a kingdom. And your son, as it were, will reign in our kingdom. Now, if you look at the book of Romans, chapter 1 and verse 3, you'll be able to see precisely, 3, 4, how that the scripture says, according to the flesh, he was the son of David. Remember that? Very good. So now, let's look at the book of Acts. Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2, verse 29. And this is what he said. Now Peter is speaking. When the Holy Spirit finally was coming, and they came down, speaking in tongues, prophesying, and all of those things. And now here, David, I mean, Peter was recounting. Not just the experience, but like bringing forth history. And then he said, Men and brethren, let me freely speak unto you of the patriarch David, that is both dead and buried. And his Sepulchre is with us today. That is to say, his grave is with us today. The next verse says, Therefore, being a prophet, knowing that God has sworn with an oath to him that of the fruit of his loins, according to the flesh, he will raise up Christ to sit on his throne. The next verse. He's seeing this before speak of what? The resurrection of Christ, that his soul was not left in hell, neither is fled. This is what? Corruption. Praise the living God. Verse 32. This Jesus has God raised up, wherefore we are all what? Witnesses. Can you get that? Now, so what brought Jesus to the throne? It was simply what? His resurrection. And I tell you that today, the kingdom of God is available to as many as can believe into it. Unless you are saying Christ has not risen. But if you believe that Christ has risen, then of course you must also believe that he's sitting on the throne. 
the throne of his father, David. Are you with me? Come on, is anybody following me? I want you to get this. This is plain scripture. So the kingdom is not coming tomorrow. The kingdom is here, right now. That means, what I'm trying to make you say is, if the kingdom is here, how do you enter the kingdom? How do you experience what the kingdom is supposed to be providing? Let's move on a little bit. Luke chapter 17. Look at verse 20 to 21. I want you to follow this so that you don't get confused. And start thinking that the kingdom is coming tomorrow and all that. There can be only what is called the increase of his kingdom. Is that okay? It has begun and it continues to increase and to multiply. That's the key point. Luke chapter 17 verse 20. The Bible says, When he was reminded of the Pharisees, when the kingdom of God shall come, he answered them and said, the kingdom of God coming not with observation. Look at the next verse, verse 21. Neither shall they say, Lo, here or lo, there. For the kingdom of God is within you. Amen? Are you with me? The kingdom of God is within you. They wouldn't say it's here. That is to say, you don't go to Jerusalem to find the kingdom. You don't go to America to find the kingdom. The kingdom of God is right within you, wherever you are. Praise the Lord. Is anybody picking this? I want you to follow. The kingdom of God is within you. That is why, like the sister is saying, if you know that the king is sitting on your inside, you can allow the king to do whatever that he wants to do. When you pray, get this right. It's God flowing through your hands. Not you. But there's a power that must flow through your hand to reach out to other people. By implication, you become the expression of the hand of God. Because God is spirit, but you are natural. The point is this. When God created everything, he had the need to get a man to man the things he has created. Whatever Adam called the animals, that was what God approved. Because God created him and said, let him have dominion over everything. In other words, man was like a regent to the sovereign God. We are here to walk on behalf of God. So the kingdom is within you, and you allow the king to express himself when you stretch your hand to pray for people. That is God expressing himself through you. Can I hear an amen? So, Lord, the kingdom of God is within you. I want you to take that, and it's very, very important. That is where you find the kingdom. You don't find the kingdom outside of you. Practically impossible. Bible never teaches us that. Didn't say the kingdom is going to come as if Jesus is going to sit on one throne some days in Jerusalem. By the way, if Jesus had to be in Jerusalem with his kingdom over there, all of you that are trying to look for Jesus will never see him because some of you will never have the, the money to buy a ticket to go to Jerusalem. You're going to miss him. Is that okay? Even in the U.S., you won't be able to go to meet him. And he knew that this is the implication of being as a human being. Therefore, he has to die. And out of that death, he distributed himself to every man. So today, he reigns in your heart as the Holy Spirit. So what he's trying to tell us is this. Instead of struggling to go to Jerusalem to meet him, just receive him where you are. Praise the Lord. But this is what the church will not understand. So they begin to think that Jesus is in Jerusalem. I was going to come to Jerusalem. Go to sit up somewhere there. By the time he gets to Jerusalem, none of you will see him before you pass on into this life. You won't be able. Most probably the only people that may see him may be your bishops. Who might be able to afford the ticket? But some of them may not be able to afford the ticket to go and see him. 
And if you have to even go and see him, the whole world wants to see him. When will it be your turn to see him on the queue? Now that's what people don't understand. Jesus is on the throne and everybody wants to see him. I mean, everybody wants to see Jesus. Am I right? Now he's sitting on the throne. What's the next thing? We are going to line up. So when do you think it's going to be your turn to see him? Some of you may not even have the asset to see him before you die. You will die there. Because you see the long queue. Everybody wants to touch him. Now he said, instead of all those problems, I'll make myself available as what? The Holy Spirit. And yes, you can believe that. Yes, you can understand that. We feel he must be in Jerusalem. One day, we're going to go see Jesus in Jerusalem. You're just deceiving yourself. Christ is within you. Can I hear an amen? He wants you to experience his power. He wants to experience his glory. He wants to shake the world through you. Don't wait for one man that will descend upon in Jerusalem for you to go there. Praise the living God. But line up on the queue in Jerusalem. You will never catch up with him. Like those going to stone, who picked up to stone the, the devil in, in, in Mecca. I mean, that's not the kind of God we're worshipping. Is that okay? The God you're worshipping is not localized. Jesus is not localized to any particular location. Jesus is everywhere. He's right in you. You are his temple. Hallelujah. He dwells in your spirit. And that is what he wants you to understand. That you can do all things through Christ that strengthens you. You can move. You can do anything through Christ. Don't wait for tomorrow, Jesus. The kingdom is not tomorrow. The kingdom is right now. Amen. Let me show you. Romans chapter 12, verse 17. Romans 12, verse 17. Romans 14, 17, I'm sorry. Romans 14, 17 says, For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness, peace, joy, in what? The Holy Spirit. Now, this is the problem. If the kingdom is righteousness, kingdom is peace, kingdom is joy. But let me ask this question. Can anybody handle joy? Or has anybody seen joy walking on the street once? I mean, you just see something going on and say that is Mr. Joy passing by. Has anybody done that before? But can you feel joy? No, talk to me. Can you feel joy? Very good. Has anybody seen peace on the road any day? But can you feel peace? Sometimes you say, oh, my peace has gone. Oh, there's no peace in this place. Have you had a statement like that? If there's no peace in this place, that Mr. Peace was there. But you never saw him. What I'm trying to say is this. The kingdom is not about seeing with eyes. You don't see the kingdom with your eyes, but you can feel it. Are you there? There is enough energy in the kingdom to bring transformation. You only need to experience the kingdom. You don't need to handle the kingdom. You don't see it with your eyes. It's not meant to be observed. It's meant to be experienced. You can only experience God's kingdom. You don't see God's kingdom. Praise the living God. But it's a realm of peace. It's a realm of joy. It's a realm of righteousness. Which is the righteousness of God in Christ. The realm of peace. The peace that passes all understanding. The realm of joy. The joy that no man can take from you. Praise the living God. And last week I think I gave you the example. You talk about Paul and Silas being put in prison. And they were singing praises. How is that possible? No, you talk to me. 
How do you think it's possible for you to be singing praises when you are in jail? It's only because God was with them and this particular thing erupted in their mind. The spirit of joy, the garment of praise, and they begin to praise God in prison. Praise the living God. That is what it stands for. So don't wait for a kingdom to come tomorrow. You'll be missing out on what God has made available. Your joy will be lost. Your peace will be gone. You can't get all of those things because you don't feel you are in God's kingdom. You are waiting for the kingdom to come. No, it's right here. As long as Jesus is here, as long as the Holy Spirit is within us, the kingdom of God is within you. Can I hear an amen? Praise the Lord. So, we're talking about the kingdom of God, which is the dominion of God, the realm of God, made visible by the church, and also personally. Praise the Lord. In our souls, we have the peace of God, we have the joy of God. That is the kingdom being experienced. You don't need to die to experience joy. You don't need to die to experience peace. You've got to be alive to experience peace. Amen? Praise the Lord. So, we are talking about the power that you have to experience peace and joy does not depend on material things. That's what it means when he said the kingdom is not meat and drink. It's not about natural things. It's not about food. By implication, food can't give you joy. There's nothing that gives you joy. Those who drink, they want to have peace. They want to have joy. But they finish drinking and they come back to where they were. The sorrow gets even heavier. Praise the living God. There is nothing in life naturally that can give you joy. That's the simple truth. Everything you get from the natural order in terms of joy is very temporary. It doesn't last long. Praise the living God. Are you there? All right. So, this and drink doesn't refer to, I mean, the things of the spirit. We're dealing with natural things in that order. So, we're talking about the kingdom rising above things like food, questions, and all of that. I think I need to read something that Jesus said. Let's get down to the book of Matthew, chapter 6. Matthew, chapter 6. Let's look at verse 33, then we'll go back again to, uh, no, to verse 9. But let's read 33. That's in verse 9, verse 19. We're going to read from verse... Okay, let's move on there. Let's see. 33. What did he say here? But seek ye for the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. Seek ye for the kingdom of God. The word force, I've always explained, is the Greek word proton, or proton. And proton speaks of First in rank, place, order, and of importance. He's saying in your life, the thing that ought to have priority for you is God's kingdom. So go to verse 29. Let's back up a bit to verse 29. And he says, And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Talking about lilies. Move on now. Verse 30. And he says, Praise the Lord. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Next thing. Therefore, take no thought, saying, What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or where shall we be clothed? What's the next thing? For after these things, 
do the Gentiles seek? For your heavenly Father knows or knoweth that you have need of all these things. He said, He knows you have need of them. He's saying, unbelievers, can we get this from maybe simpler translation, anyone you want, verse 29 down. He said, the unbelievers are hustling for what to eat, what to drink, have some sleeping. But you're not supposed to do that. But you have never seen color and design unique quite like it. The ten best dressed men and women in the country look shabby alongside them. Go ahead. Thirty, very fast. Praise the Lord. If God gives such attention to the appearance of white flowers, both of which are even or never even seen, don't you think he attend to you, take pride in you, do his best for you? Praise the Lord. Verse 32. What I'm trying to do here is to get you to relax. Can I hear an amen? What, what does scripture say? Do what? Relax. All this hustling for money. Relax. You're killing yourself. You can't sleep in the day. You can't sleep in the night. You are just like people like in Lagos. They go to work by 5 a.m., 4 a.m., and they come back home by 11 Relax. God knows you have need of these things. You, you're troubling yourself too much. And that is because you are not experiencing the kingdom. You are not working in the kingdom. He said, the Father knows you have need of these things. Don't preach to him. He knows. Go to all night meeting. The only you pray for, Father, I need a car. Father, I need this. Father, I need this. Prayer request. You can't see anything about God. Let me know you more. Everything you pray for is need, 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 need. God said, I know you have needs. Relax. Hallelujah. Are you listening to me? Christians are acting like unbelievers when it comes to material things. Struggles. Left and right. Wearing your soul every day. You don't even have time to meditate on God's word. You don't have time to pray as you ought to pray. If there's anything outside of me that you pray for, is that your enemy might be killed. You don't know God. Praise God. I'm trying to get you to do what? To relax. To not be so preoccupied with getting. That's the point. So you can respond to God's giving. Praise the living God. Are you following that? I'm asking you to relax. So that you can easily respond to God's giving. Instead of always talking about getting, you're preoccupied with get, get, get. I want to get this, I want to get that, I want to get this, I want to get that. Somebody's bought a Jeep, you want to buy a Jeep. Somebody's got this one, you want to get that one. You go to people's home, you see their television, you want to change your own. What's your problem? Praise the living God. You see things on television advertised, you are killing your husband to get that thing. Huh? Last Christmas, somebody was stabbed to death in Lagos. A woman stabbed the husband because he couldn't provide Christmas clothing. Something is wrong even with the church. Praise the Lord. That is not the way of the kingdom. One of the major things about the kingdom is contentment. Is that okay? You've got to be content with what God is giving to you. Relax. 
He knows you have need of all those things and he's going to make them available. Can I hear an amen? Praise the Lord. What's the next verse? Look at verse 32 then again. Let's read on here. Verse 32. Praise the Lord. People who don't know God. Oh, no, 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 no. no. And the way he walks, fuse over these things. People who don't know God and the way he walks, they fuse over these things. They are worried over those things. But it ought, it ought not to be you who knows God. Amen? Praise the Lord. But you know about God and how he walks. Amen? So, Verse 33 again now says, Steep yourself in God's reality, God's initiative, God's provisions. Don't worry about missing out. You'll find all your everyday human concerns will be met. Did you get that? You will find that it will be met. When you stop all this fusing, all this struggling, all the desiring to get, all things. No, no, no. That is why you are never at peace. That is why the peace of God is eluding you. But God is saying, relax. Can I hear amen? Praise the living God. Verse 34 again. Let's look at it. Verse 34. And it says, Give your attention or your entire attention to what God is doing right now. Hallelujah. And don't get worked up about what many or may not happen tomorrow. God will help you deal with whatever hard times comes up when the time comes. That means God can help you deal with recession. Hallelujah. No one is saying this. Many of us are so worried. Tomorrow, tomorrow. We even have men are talking about sending for the rainy day. Uh, are you there with me? What about if we don't live up to the rainy day? What happens? See, God, he's talking about tomorrow. You don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. Relax. He said, when you get to tomorrow, he's going to make you see what to do to overcome the problems of tomorrow. As a matter of fact, the prayer says, give us our daily bread. It has to be daily, not give us bread for tomorrow. You think God doesn't know what he was talking about when he said pray for your daily bread? He didn't pray for bread of one week. He didn't pray, say, pray, pray, pray for, for one month. But he said, give us what? Our daily bread. Let it be a daily supply to meet your needs. Praise the living God. Are you there? Okay, so, now let me take you down to where we need to really hit the nail on the head. I mean, this is where the tire is going to meet the road. How to enter into the kingdom. Hallelujah. To enter into the kingdom, to experience the joy of the kingdom. It's so simple. It's right there for you, before you in the book. Okay. Come with me to 2 Peter chapter 1. I don't know which translation we're going to use. Maybe let's use the NIV. Let's look at the NIV. 2 Peter 1, reading from verse number 2. Praise the Lord. Grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Now you see, this is a prayer. I wish you can even ask God to really cause this prayer to be answered on your behalf. The only way to multiply grace and what? Peace is to know God. Are you with me? The only means by which you can multiply grace and peace is through knowledge of God. 
But this is what people don't even have time for. You want peace? You want grace? But you don't know God. How are you going to get it? This is what people don't have time for. Praise the living God. But that's what God is saying. Grace and peace be multiplied to you. Through the knowledge, knowledge, personal experience of our God. Amen? Go to verse 2. I mean verse 3. Verse 3. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. He called us by his own glory and goodness. And whatever it will take for us to experience these things in life, he has given to us. He's resident within us. Praise the living God. Next verse says, verse 4, Through this, he has given us very great and precious promises, so that through them, you may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. That's the key point. Evil desires. You escape the corruption in the world through evil desires. The thing that doesn't glorify God. The thing that doesn't give you peace. Knowledge of God will enable you to escape that. And there's a divine thing working within you that God has deposited since he called you to himself. By his own goodness and his own grace. Hallelujah. Verse 5. Verse 5 says, For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness. And to goodness, knowledge. Praise the Lord. Now, these are the things that will enable you. It's what I'm showing you now. The things that will enable you to assess God's kingdom. False thing listed here is, okay, you have faith as a believer. Fine, there's no problem there. But after your faith was goodness. And to goodness was knowledge. Nervous. Verse 6. And to knowledge, self-control. Do you have it? This is the problem. When you don't have these qualities, there is no way you can find yourself in the kingdom of God. A lot of us have no self-control. The way we talk, no self-control. Praise the Lord. Are you there with me? The way you talk to your wife, the way you talk to your husband, the way you talk to children, the way children talk to parents, no self-control. Sometimes you travel in the, in the buses or wherever, women won't allow you to hear anything. They don't know they're in the public house, public place. In the bus, they talk at random. Huh? I'm sorry to say, I won't mention, but one of the tribes in this country, two tribes, anytime I fly from Dubai, I have a problem. Because you can't, you can't hear anything. They won't allow you to have peace in the place. No self-control. They forgot they are even in a public place. What's wrong with them? And you are talking about setting the kingdom. We are talking about self-control. The way you buy, when you manage to get to shop right, you never come back home with any change. No self-control. Anything you see on display, you want to prize it. Some of you need to wear dark glasses when you are going to shop right. Hallelujah. Are you with me? I'm just passing. I just see this thing. I just like it. I just this one. I just like no self-control. You don't live like that. And you still expect to be entering the kingdom of God. No. 
the Lord. What about Egypt? Some of you, until the big boy is finished, you won't stop. No matter how much heat your wife gives to you, until you level it, you won't leave the table. No self-control. Forbid it. May God help us. Are you following what I'm talking about? Voracious eating. No self-control. Self-control is in everywhere. Praise the Lord. That's self-discipline. You like self-discipline. That is not the kingdom mind. That's not somebody in the house of God. Well, you can't discipline yourself. You can't discipline your appetite. Huh? You're driving on the road. Give me coke. Give me, what is this, sugar, not or not or whatever. Everything, all the not that your mouth and everything, you just pack in them. No self-control. Praise the living God. God wants you to experience peace. Can I hear an amen? Self-control with patient endurance is another thing that nobody wants to think about. You are never patient. You want to be like Mr. A. You want to be like Mr. B. You are never patient. Where they are coming from, you don't know. You are never patient. No patience in anything. This one you can even experience in homes. Even in churches. Huh? No self-control, no patient endurance. These two things go together. Oh, I'm no longer going to sweep anymore. How can they talk to me like that? I mean, imagine me. Am I a baby? Ah, you have to be a baby to enter the kingdom of God. Jesus said that. The kingdom is made for the younger ones, for the babies. Am I a baby? Yes, you are. See the way you talk to me. Behold me. This is why you can't experience peace. Because you overestimate and overrate yourself in the midst of people. You forget that we are all brethren. Amen? Hallelujah. The next thing is, patient around with what? Godliness. Woman. Verse number seven. And to godliness, brotherly kindness. And to brotherly kindness, what? Brotherly kindness. How kind are you to your fellow brothers? What is the level of your love to your fellow brothers? Hmm? You know, there's a common scripture that says, love your neighbor as you love yourself. I've already been saying that. Some of us come to service, you look at our brothers, their shoe is begging for survival. They've gone to the shoemaker more than four times just to keep it in shape. But they are refusing to be in shape. But in your wardrobe, you have more than 10 pairs. What kind of life are you living? What kind of life are you living? You check your wardrobe, sisters, heap. What are you doing with those clothes? When there are people that have need of these things, because God has graced you, you are better than them. What is the love of God? We don't have it. You are looking for space for clothes in the wardrobe. Wardrobe cannot take it anymore. Maybe you tell your husband, the next apartment where I go and make sure the room is big enough. All because of stacking of clothes and whatever. It's not supposed to be. Praise the living God. And your members are suffering. Your sisters are suffering. May God help his church. Love, brotherly kindness, think about it. Do you meet the need of people? Do you even know people in your midst that have needs? Have you talked about them? When you come to church, you close church, 
do you have any ministration about somebody in the midst of you? So years back, I was sitting down here, and I just turned back, and the Lord spoke to me. See that sister? She has needs. Her rent is due. Make sure she part of the people to pay the rent. I went to my office. I had no money. And I said, Lord, how am I going to do that? And accidentally, the sister said, I need to see you. But for something that's completely different, the Lord made provision. And the sister came. And the first thing I presented to her was the cash. And she was amazed. But this is not why I came. I have some other ideas. I said, fine. But this is what the Lord said I have to do. Has God ever spoken to you about somebody? The only thing God will ever tell you is the next building. The next car. Eh? And then the location that you be. Eh? God never tells you how to meet the need of your neighbor. And you are in the kingdom. Which kingdom are you talking about? You are a Christian. Which, which faith are you practicing? Praise the Lord. Are you there with me? Brotherly kindness and what? Love. This thing has to be in you. This thing has to be experienced. Next verse says, I'm going to stop around 11. Verse number 8. Praise the Lord. He says, For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. What's the next thing? Verse number 9. He says, But if anyone does not have them, he is short-sighted and blind, and has forgotten that he has been cleansed from his past sins. If you are not exhibiting those qualities, it's like saying you were still in your old life. Praise the Lord. Look at the next verse, verse 10. And he says, Therefore, my brothers, my sisters, my elders, my uncles, church, be all the more eager to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never fall. Hallelujah. Look at the next verse, verse 11, the key. And you will receive a rich welcome into the internal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The entrance is only open to you when you have those qualities. So entering the kingdom, the minds of qualities of character you must exhibit. The question is, do you have them? Hallelujah. Do you have those qualities? This is why we say the kingdom is not here. But I'm saying to you loud and clear, the kingdom is right here. Because the kingdom of God is within you. It's a realm of the Holy Spirit. If you say the kingdom is not here, then you are trying to tell me the Holy Ghost is not here. Hallelujah. Now, give me Romans 14 again and verse 18. Do you have these qualities? Is my question. Think about it. Do you have these qualities? Write it down, go back home, pray about it, meditate on them. Okay, take it again from 14, I mean 17, so that it can flow. But write the computer down. For the kingdom of God is not a, a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Next verse. Because anyone who serves Christ in this way is pleasing to God and approved by men. 
How do you please God? You serve Him in righteousness, peace, and joy. And these things you can assess unless you have the qualities enumerated in Second Peter 1. Praise the living God. So we're talking about pleasing God. How do you please God? You can only please God in righteousness, which has made available that you must believe into, which is the righteousness of Christ. Hallelujah. Which is the righteousness of Christ. You've got to believe it. You've got to walk in it. You've got to know that God has made Christ available to us. He is the righteousness of God. We are the righteousness of God in Christ. It's not something you struggle to do. It's not something, it's not, it's not what you do to please God. You can please God outside of the sacrifice of Jesus. Nothing can please God. That's why it's called the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. You say if you don't have those qualities we just counted in Second Peter, you are short-sighted, say you are blind, you are not seeing. The way you are walking. And any man who doesn't see collapses, he can fall. You can hit your leg on a stone. Praise the living God. Are you still there with me? Hallelujah. And so, if you hit your leg on a stone, don't go into the belief of, oh well, this is a bad omen. That's your own tradition. You have nothing to do with bad omen. You didn't look well. That's why you hit your leg on a stone. Praise the living God. Go on, do your business. Do what God has called you to do. You can only fall when you don't have those qualities. Are you with me? Praise the living God. So I beg of you this morning. Wake up. Let's understand that we can access the kingdom. There will be a big welcome for you. An entrance is made available to you. Hallelujah. When you begin to practice, when you begin to love, when you begin to have patience, when you begin to have endurance, think about it. Simple endurance, simple self-control. Don't over-talk yourself. Don't over-insult people. Simple self-control. Praise the Lord. Are you still with me? I read a story of a man that was going to church in the morning. And somebody bashed his car. And this guy fueled up. It was horrible. And when he got to service, message was just going on, he had a voice. He said, I tried to make you see that you have no self-control and no patience. That's why I allowed the man to cross your car. That's the problem. Sometimes, why you see the things you see, God is trying to prove whether you truly have those qualities in your life. It's not the devil. Nothing to do with the devil. God just wants to test you. Because it's not enough to say, I believe in Christ. You have to live out the qualities of the Christ life that's on your inside. So this is why we get into trouble sometimes. This is why we see people insult us sometimes. Praise the living God. They do all of these things to prove what's in life. Do we have self-control? Do we have patience? Do we have endurance? Can we tolerate people? God wants to do that because God has been tolerating you for a long time. All of those qualities you see there, they are the qualities of God. They are found in God. God has been being very patient with you, been very long-suffering with you, I mean, enduring you, love you, and he wants you to do the same thing to the people in the household of faith. So when you claim, I know God, and he says, you think you know God? Say, okay. Just hold on, I'm going to show you. Then you leave your room, you just went to the parlor, you're going outside, the first thing you see, somebody just saying things that you don't want to hear. Let's see how much endurance they're going to have. Let's see how long they're going to put up with such people. God needs to prove everything you believe. Praise the living God. So what are we saying? Long-suffering is so key. Love is such a key. Patience is such a key. Endurance is such a key. When you have all of these qualities in your life, you're going to have an access to the kingdom of God. 
where you're going to experience his peace, his joy, and his love. The love that's shared abroad in our heart. The patient, the peace that no man can take from us. I want to explain that one more time. When we talk about the peace of God, the Bible says it passes all understanding. What it means is no circumstance can destroy the peace that God gives to you. Praise the living God. You can do things to have peace, but it's only the peace of God that lasts. Not the ones you're trying to forge in. Not the ones you're trying to bring in. The peace of God, it passes all understanding. Nothing troubles you, no circumstance troubles you, not even recession troubles your peace. You can still be at peace when issues are not right. I'll give you a simple illustration. In the book of Acts chapter 12, I'm sure, Peter and James were picked up by the Jews. And James was killed. And they had to think of killing Peter the next day. What happened? Peter went to sleep. Question. Can you go to sleep in prison when the next person that you came into the prison had just been killed and you know your turn to be killed is the next day? Can you sleep? Why do you think Peter could sleep? Two things. He has the peace of God. The Bible says the peace of God passes all understanding. Number two. The Lord already told him, now that you are young, you walk around doing whatever you want. But when you are old, somebody is going to guide you. And Peter said, well, now I'm not an old man. And the Lord already told me, when I'm old, therefore I know I'm not going to die tomorrow. Let me sleep. That is to say, two things that can guarantee your peace in this life. What God says to you and talks to you about. And knowing that his peace in the kingdom, password, all understanding. When you know God is preserving you, God can preserve you, he has spoken to you, he has given you some time that you're going to live your life to the fullness, you need to go to sleep. Not even the devil can kill you. Not even that which you call a witch or wizard can kill you. You are just completely free. Please sleep and stop wasting your time. Because God watches over his own. Hallelujah. And don't forget... He said, except the Lord watches over his city. They that try to watch, they do that but in vain. We don't understand it. We quote it. We talk about it. But when we go to bed, we don't sleep. All through the night, we are thinking of maybe the prophecy given to us. How somebody wants to kill us. How some generous people are pursuing us. How your uncle doesn't like you. You don't sleep. You are trying to watch over yourself. You're wasting your time. That is why we don't have the peace that we have. But listen to me. When you have true peace, before your head touch the pillow, already gone. You're sleeping and you're experiencing heaven. Hallelujah. The glory of God all around you. Angels all around you. Ministration of spirit beings all around you. Before you think twice, you're already asleep. Why you don't sleep? Is your, your heart is not at peace. And that can kill you, friends. It leads to hypertension. It leads to all manner of diseases. What is disease? Not to be at ease. Disease. Not to be at ease. That is disease. You see, any disease you are suffering from is disease. The two words come together. You are not at peace, therefore you are disease. Come on, is that, are you getting that? Almost everybody is suffering from one disease or the other. Hypertension, no sleeping, insomnia. What is your problem? You are disease, means you are not at ease. And the next thing you're looking for is a doctor. Next thing you're looking for is a psychiatrist. You are just at ease. You need God. Hallelujah. That will give you the peace that passes all understanding. You've got to be at peace. Don't be diseased. Does it make sense? 